hey, it's season two. We're back. It's, we're walking. It's windy. But it's going to be a good time to walk and to talk. Welcome to That Guy Walking Podcast, season two. So for episode one, I wanted to think about questions. Uh, Since the last time, last season I did this, there's been a lot of questions out there. A lot of questions about what are we supposed to do, how are we supposed to respond, all of that sort of stuff. I'm not here to think about and reflect on what has happened over the span of the last year and 2020 and that sort of thing. But really from thinking about what I've learned, what does it mean to ask a good question? Because the more that I'm reading and the more that I'm researching and looking into more leadership, questions are the key. And so I wanted to, with this first episode, just kind of reflect on that and think about the impact of a question, the power of a question, and the message behind a question. You know, you think about it, a lot of times you can tell the investment, the level of investment, the level of commitment that you're getting from somebody based on the questions that they're asking. You know, I, uh, I'll give you an example. When I was a classroom teacher teaching middle school kids, I'd always send out a survey or I'd ask the question, what is your favorite part of school? And I'll be honest, I was not too invested in that question. Really, I wasn't really invested in the entire survey. It was just kind of something to take up some time the first few days of school because it was more about gathering that information. There were questions I was more invested in. I was more invested in learning about their hobbies, their passions, what they had liked. But when it came to asking a school question, it was kind of like I had to have the, the question that just needed to stick. The funny part is, is that I already knew the answer to that question without even asking the question. I knew that 90% of the kids would answer something like, my favorite part of school is PE. My favorite part of school is recess, lunch, or the weekend. Now some kids would say math or reading or that sort of thing, but like I said, 90% of the time, it was all about what was not a part of school. It wasn't what I was actually looking for. So some of the greatest questions that we have or that we've experienced are sometimes the ones that create unexpected answers in us. And I wonder if that's the case when we're developing questions. You know, there's been a lot of working in the technology and education field. There's been a lot of discussion about how are we supposed to keep kids from not cheating? Majority of able school districts are going one-to-one with their devices, being able to do remote learning, offering safe lessons for kids to be in the building. And in some cases, in some places around the world, you're not allowed to be back in the building because the government has stated that so. So then how are we supposed to do that? There was a post on TikTok that a colleague shared with me, and it was a video showing kids how to look at the coding, doing the inspector element on a website, looking at the code of 
that element on the webpage to find the answers to the quizzes within the learning management system. Now I'm sure there are ways that this is not existing and that uh, the company has you know, found ways to block that, but you have to think about that. The, the information and the stuff that's being used or that had been used before remote learning and online learning came into play is irrelevant. The questions that used to come from the same test or the curriculum, there's no care in there. There's no investment because it's just turning out a grade. I remember when I was in high school, I had a history teacher. I don't remember what grade. He literally used the same test word for word every year. That showed a complete lack of investment in the learning that was happening in, his cla- in the classroom. When, we cre- when, when questions are brought up that either the, the person asking the question already knows the answer, or the question prompts the person who's going to answer the question to give the answer that the asker wants, it's a worthless question. The goal really should be asking questions that elicit the unexpected. The, you know, or in the sense of education, creating questions that are un-Google, ungoogleable, the impossible question. Well, how do you do that? What are the areas that strong questions can come from? I think there's three areas, but there might even be four as I'm on my walk here. I'm cruising the track right now. I'm fortunate enough to have one near my office, so we're taking a late, late afternoon stroll. So the first category or the first idea that a good question should do is it should open up the door for vulnerability. If I'm asking someone a simple question of like, well, how do you feel about your car? How do you feel about school? It's a very surface level question. And there's places for that, right? You're breaking the ice, you're getting to know, you're doing small talk, whatever. But if we're really tr- truly trying to invest, then there's, there's so much more that can come from a question. Instead of asking my students, what do you like about school? If I wanted to elicit vulnerability, if I, if I truly wanted to show investment through my question, then I'd probably be asking them, what are your passions? What are you excited about? What are the things that make you go outside of school? And where do you see them fitting in my classroom, in our classroom? Opening up an opportunity for vulnerability, an opportunity for the kids to share more about themselves rather than just simply asking, give me the answer I'm looking for. So we've got the first question that is opening the door for vulnerability. The second piece of a good question, I think, is going to show a deeper investment in the person that you are asking the question of. And so, again, if I'm asking a surface-level question, I'm expecting a surface-level answer. But if I get specific with my question, if I dive deeper, maybe I set them up. I ask the generic question, how do you feel about your car? And then from that say, well, what makes it better than the last car that you had? How do you, why do you like this one better? What's the improvements that you've made? Now you're showing investment in what they've done, how they, things are going. I'll, I'll admit, I sometimes struggle with getting past 
the surface level questions, especially in large social environments. If I have time to think about it or if it's something that I'm in more of control with, it's, it's a little different because I can, I can have an understanding of what, what I'm asking if it's about a topic that I've been training on, that sort of thing. But, hey, how's it going? Oh, yeah, we're good. Well, that's, that's a surface level question that's not showing any investment in the asker is not showing any investment in, in the uh, in the responder, and it just floats by. It's just kind of a a thing that just happens. There's no time to invest and to to go deeper in it. And, and so, again, good questions. Having opening a door for vulnerability, asking the ungoogleable question, the question that can't just be brushed off and passed to the side. Asking questions that show deeper investment in the person. You're not just asking how's it going, but you're getting specific. You're investing in who they are and you're wanting to know and focus on what what their response is going to be. And the, the question, the next piece that a question should have is it should, should create a safe space of open ideas to be shared. And I know that this might come actually from a series of questions that you start with, hey, how's it going? And then you start to get more invested. I heard that your mom was sick. How is she doing? Well, how does that affect the kids? You know, you're developing, you're building those answers, but you're opening up for the vulnerability. And you're also being able to offer opportunity to share with yourself as the, as the one who's asking the questions. So, hey, I heard your mom was sick. How's she doing? Oh, that's so good that she's feeling better. I had a bout with it and it was rough. I know exactly what you're doing and what's going, what's happening with that. You know, being able to integrate that empathy into the conversation using questions gives that space for free, just to feel free and feel safe. How many times have you been in a conversation where someone's coming in and berating you with questions, but you don't feel safe answering them because they just keep asking you more questions? It's not ever about what's happening in that question. It's about getting, checking all the questions off the list. If I had to add a fourth element of asking good questions, it's being present in the, in the question at hand. I remember often, especially in, in big places where you're networking, where you're, you're trying to connect with people, so much is happening. Plus we're adding our phones to the mix. So you come up, you ask someone, you introduce yourself or you're asking questions of somebody and they just dive in. Hey, where are you from? What do you do? What do you like? Where's it going? Da 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 da. You you just answered 20 questions in about 30 seconds without investment. Joe Bowler in her book The Limitless Mind talks about how as a teacher, why would I why would I assign 30 math problems to kids when I can see a clear understanding of their mastery of the skill by assigning 5? I think it's the same case when it comes to just general questions and how we're talking to each other. Why would I ask 20 questions when I can ask one really good question that could spark a whole conversation and build uh, an immense connection with what's uh, with what we're thinking about here. Sorry, it's a little windy here today, but we're going to enjoy the wind for a second here. So my challenge, if you're listening to this, is Think about your questions that you're asking each day. Are they creating a space of vulnerability? 
Are you in showing investment in the person you're asking questions of? Are you creating a safe space uh, for those responses to be? And are you being present in the questions you're asking rather than having the checklist? I think it's something that really has to be considered as we move forward in this because there's, there's certain elements too to close out of asking questions that we don't have anymore. I've attended so far four, about to be two more, online conferences. Where being able to see body language, being able to, to have that essential, genuine human experience isn't there. So my words are so much more important. And my connections are so much more important. The questions that I ask are so much more important in how I ask them because time isn't gonna be as much. We don't have the ability to get connected, ask what's going on, and then think about you know, continuing on, walking, going for a walk. It's just, hey, we're here, let's ask the questions, we'll grow from it. And so we have to think about where those questions are gonna come from. So that's it, that's the challenge. I just hit my mile mark. I'm gonna embrace this wind on the way back. Hopefully we'll have another podcast here next week. Maybe with the report of better questions, maybe better weather for the next one. But thank you all for, for joining me for this, uh, for this episode one of season two. Hey, remember, if you want to get connected with me, that guy walking, you can find me on Twitter at Taylor H. Williams or just contact me through however you are listening to this podcast. Be sure to follow it on whatever platform that you're using. And I look forward to connecting with you again very soon. Thanks, y'all.